people. And these things are just layering up. And that harms is when we get to this point of overwhelm. That's that third category where, where the hell do I start? It's just complete and utter frustration. And the other problem on top of all of this is people go on the internet. They go onto social media. They go onto Instagram. And what do they see? They say frigging people having an amazing lifestyle. They see somebody on a Facebook page with photographs. Look at me with my kids. Look at me in my great job. Look at me in my new car. Look at me in my new house. Look at me on this amazing holiday. But what those photographs, those images don't show is what happened just before that photograph. The argument with the kids, the argument with the wife or the husband, the, the fact that that car was borrowed on leverage money and actually that person's struggling to pay that back. So we start to compare ourselves. This didn't happen in my day. We talked about this on another podcast, I think. Didn't happen in my day, but I tell you what, now you add that to the mix, no wonder people are getting anxious now. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe, and you're listening to the Growth Tribes podcast with Dr. Rowe and Harms. This is the podcast where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to develop and record these podcasts is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine sincere hope, that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight that you can take away and apply directly into your own life practical tools, voices that come in from both generations, the younger generation with tips and tools and the older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience so that you can help unlock your true potential to give the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level and to give you a chance to impact both your lives and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. Welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. Hello and welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. It's Harms here. And the question we are talking about today is a tough one. It's a challenging one, but hopefully by the end of the show, by the end of the podcast, you have something actionable to take away. And that question is, why am I feeling so anxious and how can I tackle this now? So that's the question. And you've got myself and of course, Dr. Rowe online. Hi, Rowe. Hi, Harms. Great to be back on. And this is a seriously hot topic. And I say that in a serious way. It's not something that is new to the world, but I think it's becoming more prevalent and people are talking about it in a more open way, which is a good thing because back in my early days when I was growing up as a young person in the 60s, 70s and 80s, people almost tucked anxiety under the table and ignored it and said, don't worry about it. But we're talking about it. We're here on the Grow Tribes podcast. Let's bring it on. Okay. So I totally agree with that, Rowan. Before we get started, because we are talking about a topic of anxiety, potentially stress, and we're going to be talking about things like meditation etc so just as a disclaimer we are not medical professionals and please do not treat this as medical advice if you are on any type of medication to manage your anxiety or depression or anything similar always consult your doctor first before practicing some of the tools and techniques that we're going to be talking about on today's show. So now that's out the way, well, I thought I wanted to kick off with this just to give it almost a description in round the topic of how does anxiety play out? So people can recognize this immediately. And I wanted to start with the answer, if that's okay. Anxiety plays out, if you listen to this at home, is it plays out in the way of emotional challenges, it's going to feel emotional challenges around you and 
internally depending on whatever scenario is going on and these scenarios can be things like money challenges you could be feeling overwhelmed you could have a strain on your relationship there could be a parent child dynamic so you could have challenges either as a parent or even as a teenager dealing with that scenario you could have anxiety in and amongst your friendships and you know things like bullying do play a role here as well another two elements could be work issues and also if you're in school it could be your teachers it could be the idea of exams these are typically how anxiety plays out based on scenarios so we're not going to go into the emotional part yet but Ro, would you agree with some of those ways anxiety plays out all of them actually harminder i think as we're looking at it what's really interesting is the list could be 10 times that if you start to really get subtle on a daily basis and i know you know looking at the list in my mind as you're reading it out there and i was just sort of picturing it i know for a fact in the past that i've experienced each one of those in some way shape or form the feeling of anxiety and this is the challenge it's when do you suddenly call it anxiety so whereas i might have felt a twinge a tightness or something in my stomach in the past and i've moved beyond that there's other times when it's felt it's really gripped me you know it's almost locked me in my seat made me breathe deeper suddenly not feel like I can take action. And when that happens, when I've been aware of that, that's when I know it's going beyond just in a, a quick emotional response. Now, you know, this cancerous feeling of anxiety starts to get into your bloodstream, into your nervous system and really locks you down. So I agree with all of those and, and more. Okay. So those are, like you said, actually, they're quite specific niche topics. Yeah. And I was watching a video you produced recently on the Growth Tribes website and you dive deeper. You say anxiety gets to a point of almost critical mass when there is a layer of some of these items. Can you expand on that, please? Yeah, the critical mass for me is the, the feeling of overwhelm where it's gone beyond I'm just anxious about my money challenges or I'm, I'm anxious about the situation with my kids at school. That's one other area or I'm anxious about my work issues. So there's a slight discomfort. You go into work, you're feeling a bit frustrated or it moves beyond frustration to, oh my gosh, how do I deal with this? And you could almost give it three levels of anxiety. The first level being there's a slight worry there. You're aware of it, but it's not enough to cause you any major challenges right now then there's another level above that level two which is essentially where you've suddenly realized actually i'm starting to think about this almost every day now not all the time but it's coming up maybe when i wake up in the morning maybe when i'm on the way to work maybe i'm in my lunch break i'm relating to this to say that example of the work situation or it could be towards the end of the day when you get home over dinner or when you go to sleep it's not all the time but it's coming up then you get this third level where it's just there present in your mind it, it it seems to be repeating itself like a movie that's got stuck and it starts to build up. Now, individually, that situation on its own is potentially manageable by most people, not for everybody, but by most people. Where the challenge occurs, and you made reference to the video, in fact, that's a very good point. I mentioned this and I go through this process is where you suddenly have not just one thing happening, but multiple things happening. So for example, you've realized you've got financial difficulties. You've not been managing your credit cards properly, or you were late on a mortgage payment, or you've been overspending each month and somehow you've borrowed for the last six or seven to 12 months to make up the extra payments. But now those debts have got to a point where you can't even afford to pay those debts. That is getting serious now. You're getting worried about that. But on top of that, you're suddenly becoming aware that there's nothing else to pay those debts back. So how do I pay those? My salary's not gone up. And in fact, not only that, I'm having challenges at work right now. My boss is putting more pressure on me. They want me to do overtime. But the problem with that is I'm supposed to be looking after the kids on a Saturday and a Sunday during certain periods of the time because my husband and my wife's got something that they're doing and it's affecting me at home now. So I've got problems in my head because when I go home, I'm having arguments with my wife or my husband. I'm just switching off in front of the kids. They're talking to me 
but I keep thinking about the situation with my boss at work now. He's putting more pressure on me. And I've got these work colleagues that seem to be ganging up. It's like, maybe it's my mood. Maybe it's my attitude. I don't know. And I'm a bit worried actually, because the company's even talking about downsizing. And what if I'm on the list of people that are going to be downsized? How do I pay my debts? I'm afraid that I might even lose my job. And on top of all of that, there's some challenges at home with my in-laws because we've fallen out and my wife really needs some support or my husband really needs some support. And these things are just layering up. And that harms is when we get to this point of overwhelm. That's that third category where, where the hell do I start? It's just complete and utter frustration. And the other problem on top of all of this is people go on the internet. They go onto social media. They go onto Instagram. And what do they see? They see freaking people having an amazing lifestyle. They see somebody on a Facebook page with photographs. Look at me with my kids. Look at me in my great job. Look at me in my new car. Look at me in my new house. Look at me on this amazing holiday. But what those photographs, those images don't show is what happened just before that photograph. The argument with the kids, the argument with the wife or the husband, the, the fact that that car was borrowed on leverage money and actually that person's struggling to pay that back. So we start to compare ourselves. This didn't happen in my day. We talked about this on another podcast, I think. Didn't happen in my day, but I tell you what, now you add that to the mix, no wonder people are getting anxious now. For young people, that anxiety is creeping in in their teenage years now because they're comparing themselves constantly against other people. So they're already thinking they have to have all these things now as a teenager. No, as a teenager, you need to be a child. You need to be having fun. Just Go out and make mistakes. You don't have to have everything in your life right now. Just go and enjoy these long summer days. Go and play in the evenings. Go and play football, do soccer, basketball, netball, whatever it is you want to do. Play tennis. Just enjoy. You don't have to compete with other people. And sorry, I'm having a rant here, but I think what's happening is young people at an early age are starting to compete just unconsciously. And they're trying to prove themselves and overloading themselves. Parents are pushing a lot on the kids after school activities. Then you've got to take these exams. Then you've got to do these music tests. And by the way, I want you to learn to sing, go and tap dance. Johnny's learned to tap dance. You got to tap dance. And it just goes on and on and on. <laughs> I'm laughing because I thought we would at least go 10 minutes into this before we had a row rant. And we haven't even got to 10 minutes. So that's amazing. I know you're so passionate about this row because you've worked with thousands of people. So you see this all the time. And we often discuss the impact of social media. So just to quickly you know, encapsulate what I believe you just said there is there's almost two things happening here. Number one is everything just seems to be happening to you at once. You know, the whole world is falling apart around you at once and you feel like that's all on your shoulders. That's you're having to deal with all of that uh, internally. So that's one way this sort of overwhelm can creep up. And then there's almost a second way, which is one thing then leads to another thing which has a causal effect on the next thing. So for example, you know, you're having a tough time at work. Like you said, you know, your colleagues, you, there's a feeling that they're ganging up, up on you. So when you get home, you're frustrated and you take that out on your partner, your husband Correct. or wife. And, you know, because of that, the children are looking at you guys thinking, oh my God, is mum and dad okay? They're fighting. Now your kids are a bit wary of your behavior and attitude. And that's almost like a causal effect. And then next thing you know, you're five stages down the line. And it feels like five things are going wrong when actually the root cause for something at work. So there's almost two things that lay up there. So Ro, having worked- Just on that yeah. for a moment. So when I grew up in the 60s, 70s and going into the 80s, started, things started to shift. It didn't feel like, I'm reflecting back. If anyone's listened to this and you're in your 40s, 50s, or even 60s, it'd be interesting to see if you can give any feedback listening to this from your experience of that era. Because you'll be in my generation where things were slower. I mean, literally, I, so I did a bit of a meditation last night when I went to bed and it was a, a Devi prayer meditation. And I was just lying there. All I did was I went back to a point 
it in time when I remember walking through the and, and oddly enough it was triggered by me listening to a sting song in the, early in the day called Fields of Gold if you've never heard that song it's a beautiful song but I get immediately anchored back to a period when I was walking through fields of just pure barley there was no noise no traffic and everything was just slowed down the wind was just blowing in my face and I was calm and I went to that place last night and I thought you know what don't really see that anymore you don't get you know most of the traffic is just full on even when you drive by it's like oh yeah there's a field of whatever kids don't do it do you have any sense of what I'm talking about there as a millennial do you even know what I'm referring to there about just walking through open fields either long grass or barley wheat where you just reach your hands out stroke the tops of them have sun on your face and there's no distractions no fucking buzzing in your in your phone nothing do you have any sense of that as a millennial I'm sorry well what's grass what's a field of barley (laughs) okay so in all seriousness okay literally (laughs) we're shooting this podcast in late 2019 approximately a year ago that was the genuine truth I would be saying 27 years before I've ever even experienced an open field uh, where there's no traffic noise there's nothing around even the, the national parks in London for example down the south there's a road you can still hear the car traffic you can still hear the rumbling of the tires on the road whereas we now live in a small village of about two to three hundred people and we are surrounded by pretty much nothing so i understand how powerful that feeling is now but that took me you know 30 years to to actually experience something like that truly experience it you know we're not talking about holiday when you're excited we're talking about somewhere where it's silence there's no tourists there's nobody around exactly what you described there but you know i did joke about it but that was you know up to a year ago that was seriously it so i know there's so many i mean hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people who would never have experienced at all what you've just explained well the millennials are i'm just trying to think now they're probably the second largest demographic at the moment possibly second or third sat behind well actually okay so they're sat behind the my generation which so you got the baby boomers you got generation x you got the millennials soon to be the most dominant group in terms of the ones that are, are out there well it's probably going to be generation x but millennials are big now we're talking about millions of people worldwide how many of them do you think are genuinely able to switch off from all this noise the daily pressure the pressure that's on them from social media now wanting to get into their new careers or changing career how many of them actually get a chance to just disengage from that what percentage do you think genuinely as a millennial i know you're remote from it all now to some extent but back in that vibe looking around you your peer group what are we talking about we're we talking about 50 percent 40 percent 30 percent 20 percent that can actually disengage like that i think the reality and i mean this is an assumption but it's more of a feeling is you know reality we're talking probably talking a couple of percent mm. and, and that makes sense because later on in this podcast i'm going to talk about a meditation experience that i went through and okay. the type of people that were there and the responses i had for going through that process so that should hopefully make sense why i personally believe we're talking about a tiny percent and to give you some context if you look at the social media tool facebook a third of the world's population is using facebook and actively using it on a daily basis. So that's a third of the world. So um, what's that, that? Two to two and a half billion people right now using it? You've nailed it. You've nailed the number. Yeah, two, uh, roughly two to two and a half billion. There's about 1.9 billion approximate daily users. So when you've got a third of the world using a tool, which is an example of something that causes anxiety with all this input overloaded input then yeah that's why i believe it's a tiny percentage of people who actually have the ability to truly disconnect and i mean truly i agree i know you had a question for me but i need to stay on this point because you've raised something so when you made the move to the area you're living right now what did you notice because i remember you sent me a picture it's like oh my god <laughs> look at what's around me now i've been fortunate to have that throughout my life but what did you notice when I mean, we're on the subject of anxiety 
what did you notice about your energy, your focus, your sense of vibration in that space? Because in, in the book Turning Point that I wrote back in 2011, I've got a whole chapter on this subject, environment. Environment affects how you behave, how you show up, how you operate in the world. What did you notice about yourself, you and your wife? Well, you're, you're spot on in terms of the environmental effect on, you know, who you are in terms of how who you end up being is massively dependent on your environment. And there's plenty of scientific studies and social studies done on that now. But if you're asking me personally, I think it's just pure calm. It really is pure calm. As an example, you know, I work from the home office. And if I have a feeling of overwhelm, knowing that's almost the first trigger of going down that road of anxiety, I will be straight out of there into silence, into the green fields, the cool air. It's just a different feeling altogether. So I'd say if I was to describe it with one word, it's a feeling of calm. Mm, I agree. My experience is it brings you back down to earth, literally. And it also ma- it put everything in context. It makes your life, your world in context, everything around you. You stood next to a blade of grass blowing in the wind. It, that blade of grass is part of a field. Human beings are part of a tribe. We're part of a field of human beings. We're just one piece in the whole big puzzle. And it kind of makes you feel, okay, you know what? All things will pass. It's okay. Let me just take a deep breath and then I'm ready to go back in. That's the feeling I have. When so- I- So on that point, Ro, I spoke about calm and you spoke about the feeling of being grounded and centered. So that's the feeling when you're not anxious. So I want to ask you the question. You've worked with thousands and thousands of people and we've got a growth trials meetup coming up soon. And we're going to be working with a whole bunch of more people. So the question is, does anxiety show up in people's lives? How does it impact their life? You know, almost manifesting itself. The reason I ask this is because there will be people operating on a daily basis in a state of anxiety because it's now just become the norm. They've now got used to it. But the danger is if you just add another couple elements of overwhelm on that, they will be almost too far down the rabbit hole with anxiety. We want to get them early. The whole point of this podcast is if they're feeling it, we want to get it early. So the question is, how does it show up in people's lives? It's a good question. And the thing is, most people don't necessarily attach a physical or an emotional reaction to the experience of anxiety. So they might be saying, fuck, I feel stressed or I feel anxious, but not realizing all these other things that are going on in their body behind it. And those things sometimes don't show up for 6, 12, 18, 24 months or longer. And so if you said to me, well, you know, what are these things? Let let me try and I've just got my fingers out in front of me. I'm doing it. This just shows you the period I grew up. (laughs) I'm just going to count these things out. I mean, the first thing is sickness. I think most people don't realize this. The stress levels are triggered by these situations that happen around us. Particularly, we go into an adrenaline burst. We we suddenly go into a sort of a fight and flight mode. Our immune system can very rapidly drop. And that comes through the stress reaction of the body. So people start to get sick, cold, sore throats, feeling drawn, feeling down, feeling energetic low. And and of course, the problem with when people are stressed, they tend to turn to things that are a crutch. So it could be drinking more coffee, more tea, more alcohol, for example, those things in themselves in excess, certainly. Again, I'm not a medical practitioner, as you said already, but from my experience, they tend to lower the immune system. So what I found is that when people lean on something else like overeating or undereating or whatever it is they do, that has a knock-on effect on their body. And that coupled with the stress in the body, the immune system dropping, they start to get a physical sickness come into their body. And they sometimes don't attach the two together. Other thing include just emotional breakdowns, tears, breaking into tears at random times or trigger words, trigger environments in front of the kids, in front of your partner, maybe in the workplace, or maybe you bottle it up in the workplace and then boom, you get home or in your car and then suddenly tears trigger off. Or you might be watching a movie and you just find yourself just breaking down into tears 
and you're realizing that you're associating with that situation. Just going to jump in there, Rowan. If you've listened to one of our past podcasts, I talk about how I broke down into tears in the workplace many, many years ago, and I never connected it. You know, at the time, I never connected it. I thought, oh my God, this is happening. And it just released in the form of tears at the time. So go check that out and you'll, you know, hear about that experience as well. So Rowan, you talking about sadness. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a great point. Sadness and fear. I mean, fear is the other one I've just it's come to mind as you're talking about that, because with the sadness, it's usually linked with a loss or a fear of something. You feel sadness and you fear sadness or you fear the impact of sadness. Oh, oh my gosh, what if this happens? So there's a there's this sickness coming in. There's these emotional tears. There's a heaviness, a sadness. You tend to focus on the worst case scenario and it draws you down. I know this when this has happened to me in the past, particularly if it's something that's very big, you have to learn to reduce it down. And we'll come to this in a minute, but shrink that feeling down because otherwise it just magnifies and it overwhelms you. The trigger or the reaction to that can be anger. As you said earlier on, you get angry with your kids, you, you have pressure from your peer group. I think you mentioned this earlier on in the podcast. And then of course, somebody comes home and that is just vented. Instead of it being emotional tears in the car, you just explode on your wife, your husband or your kids. And then that becomes anger. So even as I'm describing this, if you're noticing these are patterns or linked or even several of these happening and you're aware there's pressure on you, there's no doubt that pressure is having a, a the byproduct of that is all these things that we're describing here. Rattiness is a softer version of anger. So you're short with people. And I know this, that this is a characteristic that my partner's told me on a few occasions in the years have gone by is if I get rattled, <laughs> usually because I've walked in the door and there's something bothering me, it's, it's on my mind or several things. Instead of me leaving it at the door, I brought it through the door and then she says something and I, I'm short with her and she's like, you know, what was all that about? And I realised, oh my gosh, and this is about being self-conscious, being self-aware, being uh, you know emotionally developed enough to say, oh shit, you know what, I've just brought all that baggage with me. So we have to learn to differentiate them. Well, that's probably one of the most common ones and that's probably where, Agreed. you know, a lot of this starts out because, you know, you don't necessarily feel sickness, tears, sadness, fear, because that almost happens down the line. But Correct. things like rattiness yes. can happen almost the first day you have an issue at work or yeah. school or something with your partner. That's almost the first way you respond in anger, in rattiness, in like, oh, like, you know, just everything irritates you so quickly and so easily. So that's probably a good point. You know, if you're listening to this and you're actually making note, if at any point you're feeling ratty, irritated, easily irritable, that's a starting point. That's almost a, oh my God, I don't want this to escalate. Let me self-reflect and think about what's going on. That's a great point. And actually that rattiness is often an annoyance with the fact you haven't dealt with it and the anger's being reflected internally. You can't vent it. So guess what? You just vent it at the people that are closest to you, the easiest to vent it to, because you really need to do it to your boss, but you're too bloody afraid to do that. So guess what? Comes out somewhere else. So I think it's a great point. And, and as you say, the sickness, the illness, that could be two days, three days, two weeks down the line, depending on how consistently you stay in this emotional state of anxiety. Credit blur is another one where somebody is so anxious about their finances, they can't pick up the bank statements. They can't look at the spreadsheets. They can't look at their credit card statements. They, they won't look at their bank balance. And of course it builds up. And after about two or three months, suddenly a letter arrives saying, you know, you're late on your payments. It's going to affect your credit farm. People start to get into this complete blur. They stick their head in the sand. And that's another one is just putting your head in the sand about anything. If you start to ignore all these things, they're just going to build up. They're not going away. So we have to learn to just face up to them. And we've got a few techniques we'd like to share with you towards the end of this podcast that I think will really be powerful around that. Last couple of things that are in my mind as I'm talking this through are physical outbreaks. I've seen this in people I've worked with is rashes occur, blotches on the skin, spots, dryness of hands, eyes getting dry, dehydration because people don't drink, they get anxious, they don't drink enough they, or they drink things that are diuretics, meaning that they go through them very quickly like tea and coffee. And so the body reacts. And, and of course, when it gets ill, toxicity builds up. It can come out in lots of different ways. You know, I guess in all of that harms, if somebody gets to a point where they're at a breaking point, they'll go into isolation, if not before that. In other words, 
because they close down. They don't communicate. They go the opposite way now. Instead of anger and frustration towards people and other things around them, they just lock down. They close down and they go into a little hole. They don't communicate with other people. And that's that's a really dark place. And what worries me is it can happen with teenagers. And that's when teenagers start moving towards self-harm because maybe the best thing to do is I just do something to make me feel like I've become numb. But if I harm myself, if I cut myself, if I bruise myself or I use cigarettes on my skin or pins or, or even taking drugs, whatever, that self-harm is really a cry for help. But they've isolated themselves now and they're doing something stupid to themselves. And it's a growing problem amongst our teenagers. And for somebody listening at home thinking, ah, no, that's not happening. Well, I remember we did a sort of a closed room event maybe yes. six, seven months ago now. And there was a young lady and she went to a really, you know, like a high end school. Correct. And I mean, she came out and said to you, how many of her peers? She gave us a number and it was like, it was frightening. It, well, out of a small group, there's five of them who were self-harming. And this is in a group of 20, 30, 40 girls that she knew, friends and girls and boys and girls. And, and when I asked her why, she talked about the hours they were working. I think she was at a boarding school from memory and they were working long hours. After dinner, they had to go back and study, keep studying till 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. If they didn't get results above, I think it was 70, 75%, they were considered to be average. So all of them were pushing themselves and they couldn't handle the pressure. Good memory. I remember that. That's five young people too many. And yeah. if you think about the reasons that Rose just suggested, those are all completely completely avoidable. So I do worry about that as well, because, you know, you do hear the teenagers who throw strops. I was one of these, you know, go isolated. But as teenagers, we don't have a way to process this, you know. So you're listening to this and you're a teenager. The reason we've listed out all of these elements, like step by step from sickness, sadness, fear, rattiness, financial blur, credit blur. The reason we've listed those out methodically is because one of those may, you know, trigger something for you. You may be like, actually, I'm feeling that now or I was feeling that last month or somebody around me is feeling that. That's the reason. That's the reason we're listing it out. And I think if you're a parent listening to this, you know, that list there needs to be in your mind. You've got a great point because this is your chance to stop it early. If something starts to trigger and you see a pattern in it, yes, there's the hormonal changes that happen in young people and the world is changing around them. We know that. I mean, I've got kids, my 10 year old, I think she thinks she's 15. So that will happen. But it's the consistent regular patterns. It's the change in their natural behavior patterns. And these are a reflection of that. So I think if we can pick it up, as you said, people around us, but I'm talking to the parents now, look for it in your kids because if we don't grab it early and show them some tools how to deal with it, this becomes a serious problem in the future. It really does. Exactly. So just to quickly summarize what we've spoken about so far, we're tackling the question, why am I feeling so anxious and how can I tackle this right now? So firstly, myself and Ro, we've talked about how does anxiety play out in people's lives? And that's really situational based. And, you know, layering these situations cause a greater level of anxiety in terms of a feeling. And then secondly, we've spoken about how does it show up? How does it show up in your life? How does it impact your life and almost manifest it? And that's just a section we've just finished. So Ro, now heading over into the third section of today's podcast, we just want to quickly talk about, because we're going to present you with some solutions if you're listening at home. And one of the things we want to make aware is why you should take these solutions seriously, why you should mm. almost sit up and listen to what we're saying when it comes to what we've spoken about so far and what we're going to go into. Because if I just quickly generalize it, Ro, and then you can maybe add some depth to what I'm about to say, is you know, the reason you should give this a go, the reason you should maybe pass this on to somebody else or just like Rose said be aware of the, that list of elements so you can immediately spot it is one this affects you if you're having this feeling if you don't tackle this now it just escalates escalates and escalates next thing you know you're sitting opposite a doctor
doctor. So that's you personally. Now, also, if you feel like this, the impact of that will affect everybody else. So, you know, we spoke about the scenario. You come back from work, you're feeling ratty, you take it out on your partner, your kids see that you're, you know, hang on a minute, why is one parent treating the other parent like that? That's not really fair. Then the parent doesn't want to speak to one of the, one of the children doesn't want to speak to the parents. Next thing you know, you haven't spoken to your children for two weeks because all of the issues at work. So you not dealing with anxiety does affect everybody else. So that's a generalized version of what I really wanted to say, Ro, but can you add some more depth to that? I mean, I can, but even that alone is sufficient a reason. If I'm really honest, I think it's powerful enough. I'm happy to add a bit more to that. I think a couple of things that you need to ask yourself. Number one is how does it affect you? Because ultimately, if you don't look at these solutions we're offering you, you've then got to flip it on its head and say, well, okay, if I don't, how's it going to affect me? So that's a question to write down as we're sitting here together around this podcast. And the other one is, if you don't deal with this now, are you being the best you in this state? Are you showing up on a day-to-day basis as the person that you want to be? You know, we talk about the growth tribes, the ability to grow in so many different areas of your life, health, relationships, finances, spiritually, emotionally, contributory, as in giving to a greater cause. But how can you do that if you're constantly focused in a state of anxiety on something that may or may not be real or the fears that may or may not be real. Now, some of them may be genuinely real, but we need to manage them. But you're not going to manage them if you're constantly staying in this place because you become less effective. So, you know, in answer to that question, I can always point you back to all the things that show up as a result of anxiety. But let me just add to it, Harms, I think, which would be useful here. First of all, think about what you're going to lose if you don't find a solution. I think you're going to lose time. I think you're going to find sections of time just disappear in a day. You go, my gosh, where's that last hour gone? The last hour has been going into a dark place, focusing on these problems, not thinking about a solution, but just focusing on the problems. Why did she say this? Why did he do that? Why have I not allowed myself to get on top of my finances? Why is it I keep paying every single month, but just not paying enough? Why is it I'm not earning more money at work? And, and all these things build up. And before you know it, bang, an hour's gone, two hours gone time with your kids. So you start to lose friends. In a way, what we're talking about is consequences. That's probably a good way to phrase this, actually. Consequences. Yeah, consequences. So another consequence is you are going to lose friends, not in the sense that they're going to suddenly walk away, but you'll find they may not want to go out with you. They may not want to spend time with you. You want to say get together with somebody for a coffee and they think, crikey, we're going to spend another two hours talking about this bloody problem they keep going on about. They've never shown any interest in me in the last two months because all they keep doing is focusing on this problem, this problem, this problem. And their energy's flat. They seem ill. They seem tired. They're not the same person I used to know. Now, hopefully a true friend will call you on that. And that's maybe something we can come to towards the end. Victim. That's another big one. You don't want to become a victim. I know how this feels. I've been on both sides of that equation. And most of my life, I've been working with other people. But there are times in my history where something's happened so emotionally powerful. I went through a divorce. I went through a period where I got disillusioned with my career. And all that happened at the same time. I found myself literally living back at home with my mum. And there was a very short period of a few days where I just emotionally broke down. And this is going back 20 something years now. And I went into complete victim mode, not like telling everyone I'm a victim, but feeling like I was a victim of circumstances and erroneous you know, judgments and all those things I made. And it was a horrible feeling. And you can live there. And some people do live there for a long time. And with that comes a loss of direction. That would be probably the other fourth thing I would say is a complete loss of direction. Because how can you work purposefully towards something that you want to aspire to achieve? If your head is in a trench, digging a hole in a totally different direction, which is focused on a problem that is not actually moving you towards that future, but just simply taking you down deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's like digging a grave for yourself. And it is dangerous. And I've seen situations where this happens. I know for a fact 
on a personal level when this has happened, it's not healthy. I've watched people's relationships break up and I've been fortunate when I've done interventional work with them to bring them back together. In fact, you were at an event two years ago where we had a couple on stage, you might remember, where they literally were living in two different places. I brought them onto stage. I don't know if you remember this, Harminder, but she couldn't even look yep. at him. And yep. they both were anxious about their own pain. They were both anxious about their lack of connection and all the angry things that were going on between the two of them. And it had become such a massive thing that that anxiety was rubbing off on the children. They couldn't find a way to connect with each other. And it was only by getting them to pause in that moment, starting to focus back on ultimately why they got together, focusing back on the kids and what they loved about each other. Did we clear some of that anxiety and that pressure and that stress? And we got some direction. And I don't know if you remember what happened, but there was literally a connection where she was leaning over, looking at him in the eyes. And yet for three days prior to that, she hadn't even been able to do that and for months prior to that. So there's an example of what can happen if people allow anxiety to overcloud their judgment, lose their sense of direction and their sense of purpose. I don't know if this is making sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So I think what, if you listen to this at home, Ro is saying simply, if you don't do this, and by this, I mean the things we're going to talk about in the second part of the podcast, there are consequences. There's negative consequences associated with that. And once you then experience those negative consequences, you feel even more anxious you feel even more anxious, you feel even more anxious. It just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. As soon as you can relate to something we said, as soon as you can say, I'm, oh my God, I've been feeling sick for way too long. I have spells of sadness. As soon as you can say, identify with one of those elements, you're now in a place to work on the solutions. And like every Growth Tribes podcast, we give you solutions, we give you actions. So I know this podcast has started with a heavy feeling. It started dark, but we are <laughs> going to be present you with a way to refocus your attention now. So are you good to enter the solution phase of the podcast, Ro? I, I am. And I think it's a good point. The heaviness is not intended to be heavy. It's really just a, a reality check, actually, because that's mm. the other thing is that sometimes when people are in a state of anxiety, they're just numbed. Part of, I think, for me, what we're doing here is just going, you know what, wake up. It's okay to be aware of it, but we've got to do something about it. And you almost take need control. to go to the, yeah, take control. And that's, bingo, you just took the words out of my mouth. Really. That is part of the solution, certainly I'd like to bring to the table today. So do you want me to kick off with that? Or do you want to, I mean, I know you've got something you'd like to share as well. Do you mind if I start? Yes. So I've got two elements and just quick note for everybody listening at home. We've listed out a few things. We've thrown some questions and as always, these will be on the Growth Tribes website as show notes. So www.growthtribes.com and then head over to the podcast section and have a look at the show notes. All of this is listed. So if you're thinking, oh my God, I'm, I'm, on, I'm running or I'm cycling or I'm going to work and I haven't had a chance to even process some of this, I connect with this, but I need to see this physically head over to the website. So as always, the show notes will be present. So Ro, yes, please, if you can kick <laughs> off with the solutions. If they're cycling, running or driving, part of this might involve closing your eyes. So please don't do that right now. Okay. Is there anything I've described <laughs> now? If you're not in a position to do it, don't do it. Okay. So for me, the solution has got three components to it. I mean, this is, as you say, this is written down. The first one is, if you're making notes, is you've got to take back control. And I'll come back into this in a minute. So step one is taking back control. Previously, we've been talking about everything's out of control. You're feeling lost, you're feeling confused, you're feeling angry, frustrated, and all the things we described already. Okay, now it's time to say, fuck it. Now it's time to literally just stick a stake in the ground and say, enough is enough. I need to take back control. And in the process of doing that, the second part of this solution is changing the gear. In other words, you have to, you're in a runaway state. 
you're literally the car's running away at, you know in six gears just going 100 miles an hour you can't process stuff there's too much happening we need to find a gear that's going to work for you and I, literally it's like in a car you're going down a hill and you change down from fifth down to third and in the end you're going but you're forcing the car to slow down and that's the third part of the process so we change gear but in doing so the third part is we have to slow everything down and i mean everything so if you're making a note of that take back control change gear slow down let me see if i can expand on that harms can i go into more detail just to sort of give them a process yeah please if you work through the process then i will talk about my stuff after you've walked them through this process and i agree part of this may require you to close your eyes so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> definitely be in a place that you can work through this and even if you listen to this you can replay this and work through this process just skip to this part come back to this because i have a feeling it's going to be very powerful yeah and, and i think the question i get is well you know i'm not in control well actually you are in control of your mind your mental state but if you look at it from a physiological perspective the one thing that we all have the ability to control is our breathing you can actually survive for days without water months without food but literally only minutes without oxygen our body absolutely needs to breathe. And when I used to run my health events, this is one of the things we used to talk about is let's break down health and vitality into these three areas. You know, what do we feed ourselves? What do we give ourselves from a fluid and a hydration perspective? And maybe this is something we can do on a future podcast harms, actually. And then how do I control my breathing? And you have absolute control over your breathing. It's the one thing right now as you're talking to me, you can do. So the problem is when people get into an anxiety state, it's like... <laughs> And they breathe in the top of their chest. Our, our, our lungs are, have this amazing bell shape or pear shape, if you like, where the bottom of the lungs are big. There's, there's much more volume there. And at the top of the pear, the top of the lungs, there's a smaller volume. So when we're breathing shallow and stressed, we're only breathing into the top of that bell. And it's like... <laughs> So we're not giving enough oxygen into a large enough volume of space to be able to get that oxygen into the bloodstream. Whereas if you go breathe down into your lungs, not into the chest, but down into the belly of your lungs, putting a lot more air into a larger volume of space, there's more capillaries there just from a biological perspective. Those capillaries are just there to take blood in and out. They're they're saying to the body, we need more air, we need more air, we need more air, we need more air. And of course, if you're breathing into the top of your lungs, the bottom of the lungs has got carbon dioxide and it's like the, the bloodstream saying, come on, and then you get dizzy. That's why a lot of people get dizzy, get tingling in your hands. You feel your fingers getting tingly. So just by slowing down your breathing, I'm in control. I have control of my breathing. And you just say that to yourself and you take a deep, meaningful, slow breath. There's no rules to this. You can close your eyes if this helps. Certainly for me, it helps. If you want to put some meditation music on or a tune, ideally that's not an upbeat tune, ideally a tune that doesn't have words or anything that you can attach a meaning to. Because the problem with listening to a song with words is if you hear a word and you happen to be in an emotional state, you can actually apply meaning to those words, which is why you get emotionally charged. If you ever hear a song that links to a breakup in the past or a financial disaster or at the same time, an amazing experience. You hear that song, you go, oh my God, every time I hear this song, it makes me feel amazing. You need something neutral, something impartial, instrumental, so that you can allow your body to go into this deep, calm state. And now we're starting to change gear because by breathing slower, literally everything, you know, your heartbeat goes from ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And now your blood is pulling in the oxygen and your body's going, thank you. And just picture yourself sinking down into the seat and allowing yourself to take back 
control. Now, before I go any further, are you still with me, Harms? You're not falling asleep. Is this making sense to you? Well, that makes total sense, absolute sense. And you can almost feel my voice is slowed down. I was almost following that process along. So okay, once we get to this stage, what do we do next? What's the next stage after this? Okay, so remember, at this point, I'm trying to move the physiological state to a calmer place because without that we're not going to be able to focus on anything and now we need to take back control so there's almost three steps within this the first step is having slowed everything down i want you to start to look at the situation so look around you and picture the different components of the stress that you're in so you place them in different places the, the situation with your boss in one place the situation with your children in another place remember this is a car you're almost bringing the image the movie to a standstill now because we're breathing in such a calm place that that beat of the heart's gone from boom boom to boom 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 and we're moving the picture of your workmates being frustrated or getting angry with you. We're dealing with the, the money situation in a different part of your picture. So you're moving those images to different places. And then what I want you to do is literally, if you can, you can do it two ways. You can either open your eyes, having placed those situations around you with a pen and paper and describe what you're feeling right now. You've got to take that mass of feelings and put it on paper. For most people, the minute they write something down, it becomes a pressure release. So just taking the words and taking them out of your head where they're jumbled up and feeling stressed and making lots of noise. You capture them on paper and in the process of doing that, allow yourself to release them. Every word that falls onto the paper is now not in your head. It's on paper where we can now put it into compartments. We can start to work out a plan, a process logically without the emotion of them expanding too much. So what are you feeling? What are you focusing on? This is part of your description. What are you focusing on? I'm focusing on the fact that my boss is putting more pressure on me. I'm focusing on the fact that my business colleagues, my work colleagues are angry with me. I'm focusing on the fact that my kids are not connecting with me. Write down specifically what it is you're focusing on because that is the main problem. Once we have a problem, we can work towards a solution. But if you don't have words to describe that problem, how can we work on a solution for it? So this process allows you to take the emotion, identify what you're focusing on, which is really the main cause of the issue, and write down all the feelings that are firing off in your mind associated with this anger, frustration, pity, lack of self-worth, confusion, emotional breakdown, feeling energy, feeling sick, feeling low, all these capture those words. Because as you start to look at them, what you'll see there is that most of these are just your imagination. Think of it as a movie. If you want to do it simply, take each one of those images I've just described as a movie slowed down. Look at movie number one, your boss putting pressure on you, then go through the process I've just described there. Okay, that's the end of that movie. Put that one aside. Let's go to movie number two, me and my kids not getting on very well. Describe that in detail, really map it out, put it on paper and you go, and you know, funny thing is harms in the process of doing this for a lot of people when they write it down and I've done this live with people, they've just gone, oh my gosh, you know what? I already feel relieved because looking at it on paper, I'm even questioning why I'm getting so stressed. This is not as bad as I thought it was because it's in front of them instead of a whole bunch of movies running parallel to each other. Is this making sense? It's almost the process of downloading all of this yes. stuff that's in your mind, yes, yes, downloading yes, yes. it onto paper, suddenly your mind is clear and you can be like, okay, I can actually see everything that was in my mind for the last two weeks, two months, you know, even six months, whatever the scenario was. So it's almost a download. Yes. And in the process of downloading, you've taken it from the cloud and now it's down where you can start to organize it. Okay. So that takes me to the third part of the process. So the first part is describing it, what your feelings right now. Then part two is what are you focusing on? Write this down, capture. What are you focusing on? What are the things that are causing you the most pain? The third thing is what is your greatest fear? So just in that process, this is step one, by the way. So step one, ABC, what you're feeling, what you're focusing on, what's your greatest fear? I'll say that again slowly. Step one is the download 
capturing what you're focusing on, what you're feeling, and what's your greatest fear. Just remember those things. Just get that out on paper. Just download it. Boom. Now, the second step in this three-part process is then logically, how do you perceive this? What is actually happening? Now, that's what you have described. But what is actually happening word for word my boss and simplify my boss is asking me to work weekends that's it simple statement it's a fact don't see it worse than it is better than it is just as it is he's asking me to work weekends actually it's saturdays that's the fact there's nothing else kids my kids want more time with me that's it nothing else that's really what they want you just blow this way out of proportion my workmates are getting frustrated with me okay great well let's find out what they are getting frustrated about that's it i have not paid my credit cards for the last two months. That's it. Boom. Statement. So now we've taken a massive description and we've logically broken it down into a simple, factual statement. Unfortunately, we made a bloody great movie out of it. <laughs> I don't know if you're laughing on this, but that's typically how it works. You take the statement, you capture it. Step two. And the final step here is what actions now need to be taken. I've parked the emotions. I've parked the feelings. I've looked at the logic. It's simply my boss has asked me to work Saturdays. Now, if you want to put something else against that, you can say what your concern is, not what your fear is, what not your anxiety. You say, right, my boss. So in step two is this is the fact and this is my concern. Fact wants me to work Saturdays. Concern takes me away from the kids. All right, there you go. Boom. What are my solutions? Now we start to work on the solutions on those two factual statements. Right. I don't want to work every Saturday, but I could work once a month on a Saturday and I'll let him know that. And also I'll let my other boss know that's asking me the same thing. I'll tell her I can't work Saturdays, but I am prepared to give up one evening every two weeks. I can do it on an evening when the kids are away doing one of their activities. So it doesn't take me away from the kids. It allows me to have an evening of earning some extra money. The kids are doing something they enjoy and I still get my other evenings and I still get three other Saturdays a month to spend time with my kids. Yeah, that could be my solution. Right. Let me take that to my boss. Boom. Movie number one, rescripted, rewritten, rerun a new movie. Let's go test it. And you do that for every single one. I'm going to stop there because I could get overly excited about this. Is this making <laughs> sense? Is, I mean, it, are you following this yourself? I followed it myself. I think it's fantastic. And what I'll say is I think it's an incredible process. This doesn't have to be done. You know, if you if something massive is happening, what I liked about that row is you gave a really a simple example, because it, like we've highlighted in the first part is from the simple scenario, which escalates and escalates and escalates. Suddenly you're feeling massively anxious. Anxiety is through the roof. Whereas here, the example is really simple. So if you can do this for the simple things that make you feel anxious in life and practice a process, just as Rose said, step one, deal with the emotional part. Step two, deal with the logical part. And finally, step three is the actions you can do. I think that's incredible. So yeah, thank you for sharing yeah. that for the listeners. And just to say to that, Harms, look, it's simple for me to describe it. And once you've gone through this process, you then go back to the boss and there's a bit of a tug of war. We know we need you for more than one Saturday and your other boss. You're going to feel anxious again. Yeah. So you just go back through. But now you've got a a process. So it's not I'm not saying by doing this, everything goes away. But by doing this, it simplifies the emotional experience of it. And now you've got a rational and logical approach to it when you go back to those people in this situation and you explain to them, if I come in for any longer, it's going to affect me. I'm not going to be functional for you. And these are some of the things that it could affect in my workplace. I don't want that. I want to make sure that I can do a good job of you. And I can do that by giving up two evenings every month and one Saturday that allows me to be with my kids. And I'm prepared to do that. Hopefully you'll understand that. I want to be the best for you and the best for my family. And when you approach things that way, often what happens is they realize and they may have the same concerns themselves. And part of the reason they're putting this on you is because they've got anxiety themselves. So it's an iterative process. It doesn't happen in one hit normally. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, thank you for sharing that, Ro. I will now share, I've got to try condense this into maybe five to six minutes, but my experience on 
not necessarily how I dealt with anxiety, but something we mentioned at the start of this podcast show was how do you feel now, which is calmness, which is grounded, which is being in a state of, you know, like it's very peaceful for where I am in terms of environment. So that's my environment I'm in. But I wanted to take it a step further and feel peaceful actually within, feel peaceful, you know, feel calm inside because yes the environment makes me feel calm but how do I really take control of that how do I take control of even living in a city because I appreciate many people listen to this will be city-based how can you bring that calmness and take control of it and actually hold that almost everywhere you go so Ro are we okay for me to expand on that topic no no please do I'm excited because this is a great experience you went through as well fantastic so to give you some context this is about a meditation practice I undertook and it's called Vipassana and it's almost come from a downline from the original Buddha as such. And before you listen to this, this is nothing to do with religion. This is nothing to do with ideology. This is purely a meditation practice. It just happened to have originated from that part of the world. So what was the practice about? It was a 10 day silent meditation practice. So what does that mean? That means a contrast to this completely overwhelmed world we live in. So they had some rules associated with it. No phones, no internet connection, no contact to the outside world, uh, zero contact to the outside world actually. And you have to behave in this environment as if you're there by yourself. So it was genuinely complete silence. They talk about an element called noble silence. And ultimately what this means is it's not only silence from those around you, but silencing your mind. So if you are, you know, having a chitter chatter in your head and having a conversation in your head, you have to quickly realize this and close this down and say, actually, no, we're in a place of silence now. And that means even silence in my mind. That's just to give you some context of the environment. Then what was the practice? The practice was meditating from 4 a.m. in the morning to 9 p.m. And then it's a lights out. So to go from no meditating. So to give you some context, I've never really, I've sort of been aware of it, but I've never been a meditation practicer. So to go from zero meditation to going from 4 a.m. to 9 p.m. Continuous meditation. Well, I'll talk about my experience in a moment. The challenge I found and... This is the challenge that many of you may feel yourself. For example, if you're going through the process Rose spoke about, there's going to be a natural resistance around you. When people realized I was going to a meditation practice for 10 days, silent meditation retreat, they instantly had, you know, pre-assessments, pre-judgments on what I was doing. I had comments like, okay, I'm so happy you're going to go find yourself. You're going to come back as a monk. And wow, oh my God, here's another weird thing you're doing. Because it was slightly out of the norm. Whereas I did not see it that way, as you just heard if you can find calmness outside environmental sense why can't you find calmness within yourself so that was the challenge it was to go take back control something we have spoken about in this podcast so this is not and i do joke but this is not dressing an orange hoodie like the famous jay shetty and putting out quotes on instagram and reading spiritual quotes on instagram this is actually going through a practice and a process that you can you know repeat yourself time and time again so here is a quick summary and almost an explanation of what it's about so typically there's a sensation on your body that will trigger a feeling and that triggers a thought which triggers a reaction. Okay, so that's typically how a feeling of anger, even a positive feeling will almost manifest itself. So if you write this down, number one, it's triggered from a feeling. Number two is triggered from a thought. And thirdly, that triggers a reaction. Now, quite often, and this is almost with mainstream media as well, quite often, 
we really only focus on the reaction. From the reaction, we then dive deep into the thought and then sometimes the feeling. So what we do is we actually analyze it in reverse. But what we really should be doing is going to the core of it. So what is the core of it? So let me give you an example before I go to the core of it. An example is, you know, oh my God, I'm really angry at that scenario. So a coach may work with you and the coach may say, okay, so what are you thinking? What's the thought process that triggers that anger? Okay, this is what I'm thinking to trigger the anger. Okay, well, let's process that thought process and maybe deal with the feelings associated with that. So that's typically, and I say the Western world, but that's typically how we deal with it in this part of the world. That can be classed as a form of mindfulness. Mindfulness is paying attention to what's happening in, within your mind and saying, okay, let me process this. Why is my feelings getting out of control? Why are my thoughts getting out of control? Let me put things into perspective. Let me take that big movie and shrink it and have a very simple script associated with it. That's phenomenal. But what if you could take it to the next step? And bear in mind, this is not something that can be done immediately. The reason I put it out there is for awareness to show you that, you know, there's a lot of work to be done that doesn't often get discussed outside podcasts like this. And, you know, it's just small discussions which are happening in the world. This is not advertised on mainstream media. So you may be the first time hearing about it. Ro, so far, does that make sense? Yeah, you know what I love about this, Harminder, is that it's taking the philosophy to another level as well. It's this raising of consciousness. And I think that is bolted together with the approach I've just used. This is a very, very powerful tool. And I have to take my hat off to you because I know when you went, I said to you, this is going to be a really interesting experience. It's not just going to be an experience on a physical level, but you're really going to have to let yourself go. And I love the fact that you went through this. So even if we can take a little bit of this and bring this into the podcast, it's a gift for all of us. So thank you. Pleasure. So, okay, glad that makes sense. Just to now jump back in we know we now understand mindfulness and that's essentially processing anything you know that's going on in our head any overly addictive feelings or sensations and overly negative stuff you know the feeling of anxiety why does that come about now taking it a step further and this is not me, this has come from the lineage of Buddhas. Buddha formed this type of meditation practice, which did not attach itself, which Ro spoke about, which did not attach itself to any type of meaning. So no type of sound, no type of mantra, no type of idol. Okay, so there's no visualization of any point at this stage. What he got us to focus on, and it wasn't the Buddha himself, of course, but in this practice, what he got us to focus on was the sensation in our body. Because what he said is the sensation if we can learn on a human level to observe the sensations on our body it's actually the sensation which triggers the feeling which triggers the thought which triggers the reaction so he said let's go to the core of it and the core of it was a sensation so a part of the practice was spending 10 days getting our mental awareness to a heightened state so we can physically feel the sensations on our body. Now, when you feel the sensation on your body, the aim here is to just simply observe. You just observe the sensation. So if it's an irritating sensation, you just observe it. If it's a pleasurable sensation, you just observe it. So there's really two categories, something that is irritating or adverse and something which is pleasurable and addictive. Regardless of what the sensation is, we just observe it. Why is this useful and how does this play out in real life? Well, if you can train yourself and make this almost a you know daily weekly practice or go through an intensive process like this what happens is unconsciously and almost automatically when you are put into a challenging situation where normally you would feel anxious or feel a certain way that you don't necessarily want to feel your body automatically observes a sensation and says hang on a minute let's just observe this so it doesn't trigger 
a certain feeling which doesn't trigger the thought, which doesn't allow you to react in anger, frustration, being ratty with your partner, whatever the scenario is. So for example, I'll just give you a quick example so it may be helpful. You only have £20 left in your bank account at the end of the month. Panic sets in shit, what do I do about it? Can I afford the food bill? Can I afford to pay the rent this month? It's the panic and that feeling of anxiousness which causes the challenge. So I'm asking you the question, what would life be like and what would it feel like if you didn't have to react in panic? If you could almost always, from a heart space, just react rationally and just think about it rationally and say, actually, this is not bad. This is not good. This is not worse than it is. This is not better than it is. And just come up with a solution fairly quickly. Almost working through that process Rose spoke to you about automatically. So that is what this is about. So without going on a rant and telling people I didn't come back as a monk and I'm not going to go to the Himalayas, spend six months there. <laughs> this is actually about dealing with normal life. This is about dealing with all of this overwhelming stuff that gets thrown at us in normal life. And I'll give you an example row right now. My wife, Jean, has gone off to do her 10 day meditation practice because she said, OK, that's incredible. I want a part of this. So she's off to do it. So this week I'm feeling my own form of anxiety, completely being alone, thinking, oh, my God. OK, so I have had contact with my wife in now five or six days and that's creating a feeling of anxiety so I use these techniques you know I've slowed down my life thinking okay how am I feeling now why am I feeling like this so yeah so we all feel anxiety we just feel it in different ways so the reason I wanted to share that with you is if you are in a great place at the moment these sort of tools and tactics is almost what we need in the world right now because what we don't need is all these crazy politicians reacting from feelings of anger and pride and we just don't need that what we need is people to start looking at things rationally. So was that useful, Ro? Do you think the listeners will find that useful? I think it's great because what it's done is it's just added that extra dimension. And if somebody didn't relate to my my approach, it's a totally, although it's linked, it's a different way of taking it into perspective. And the concept of the silence and the reflection has to happen in the madness of everything that's going on around us. If, if people can learn to do it on a daily basis, it doesn't have to be long either, does it? You're, what you're describing here isn't yeah. like a 20, 30 minute process. It can be shorter. Uh, well, it, exactly. I mean, once you go through it, it's a 10 day process but in your normal life I mean this is meant to be used in normal life not sitting on a mountain somewhere this is you know how do we deal with daily lives when we've got money challenges family challenges got career challenges how do we do that in daily life so yeah agree Ro it's like it can be as simple as five minutes it can be 30 minutes it can be an hour if you wish it to be So Harms, I've got a final set of action points before we wrap up. Is there anything else you want to add to your solution number two there before we move on? Actually, yes, please, Ro, because that solution there, I mean, it requires a very time intensive approach. So I wanted to give the listeners something that they can actually do quite quickly. I'm reading a book at the moment and it's actually shaken me to my core. And it's a big, strong statement, but it really has. And it's called Why We Sleep. You can just pop that into any you know, bookstore is called Why We Sleep. And essentially, we spend a third of our life asleep, yet we so often neglect the sleep for our waking hours. And if you're a business owner, if you're, you know, you're a solo entrepreneur, freelancer, parent, you know that the days are spent hustling, the days are spent squeezing every minute from the day. The challenge with this, however, is we do neglect sleep. And this book, which I'm going to have to go back and read a second time, is completely science-backed. And the author does a great job of translating 
translating that scientific experiments that they've done and the data into language we can understand. Officially, to be fair, well, this will be for a different podcast yeah. because, you know, for example, I know your sleep habit and I want you to have a read of this book as well. But <laughs> I read another book last year, a couple actually, if you remember, and I, it started to come to my awareness last year and I'm much more conscious since reading it. But I think it's a subject we do need to address in separately in our podcast because it is a growing issue for so many people globally. Exactly. So I'm just going to give you two points from the book and then go ahead and read the book but the main message is to get a good night's sleep. So point number one is they have found that the brain actually processes all of these challenges that we have on a daily basis and almost gives you an answer the next day. But this only happens when you get your solid seven to eight hours sleep on a regular basis. So unfortunately, we can't just go tonight and have an eight hour sleep and expect there to be a solution tomorrow. But genuinely, the experiments have shown that the brain can process all of these challenges. And often when we face these challenges, we have a knock on effect which is poor sleep when the actual sleep itself could be the answer for your anxiety and that was a big powerful wake-up call and then secondly this is one for parents and teenagers is if you're a parent and your teenager is sleeping in please just let them sleep in and if you're a teenager let your parents know that i am actually going through what's known as rem sleep rem sleep at <laughs> that later time in the morning you know so their sleep rhythm is actually mm. almost delayed into the day and again that was a big wake-up call so i'll be having yeah, i mean a that, that that's <laughs> i mean that's going to be a conversation for another podcast exactly. because it depends if it's a day when they need to go to school and that's again an issue with even the schooling topic. system yeah i mean I, i've looked at a study that was done i think last year or the year before actually just changing the hours that kids go to school and the impact positive impact it had to the way they studied so that's definitely one for a, a different conversation love it i love it exactly so the, the main message there is get a good night's sleep and if you can get three or four consecutive good night's sleep and that means going sleep at a decent time you know like a, a 10 11 o'clock and waking up eight hours later you'll start to feel completely different and this is all science backed so have a read of the book why we sleep so anyway that's for a different podcast so ro do you want to give them anything else to to consider before we close off. Yeah, so four yeah. last action steps, if, if I could do that before you wrap everything up, Harms. Th- thank you for all listening. It's It's been pretty intense. And this has been uh, an operationally driven podcast in the sense that we're really trying to break things down to give you, because that's the biggest challenge I've found when I'm working with people privately or even in groups is people want a tool. It's like, I've, I've got anxiety and feeling stressed, but give me a tool, give me something, give me something practical. So that's why we've geared this particular podcast the way we have. I want to leave you with four things, four actions. Well, five, actually, if you've got pen and paper there, four being the main ones, but the the last one is really a way of, I think, bringing in some support around you. And I'm going to simplify this, really simplify this. Number one, if you want to do something straight away after the back of this particular podcast, go and think about the consequences of you not dealing with the current anxiety that you've got. What's the long-term consequences? Think about what I talked about previously. That's the first thing. Secondly, having identified the consequences are not what you want, i.e. something has to change. Then number two, decide to take back control, which we've talked about already. Literally just say, that's it. I made a decision. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to deal with this differently in the future. That's not to say you're going to cure it and fix it all in one go, but you're taking back control. You're going to start to work towards that. That's number two. Number three is follow the processes that we've done today. Either go through the process that Harm talked about. Harm's talked about all the processes that I've gone through, but follow something. Have a an approach that you are in control with. You might want to do a combination of what we talked about as well. That could be done just not while you're driving. Number four is in this whole process, write down how you want to act. Write down how you want to feel, how you want it to look 
so as you go through the process of identifying that you get prepared to do it, starting to apply the process, come out of the process, write down how you want to feel, how you want to act, how you want it to look. You may then want to jump back into process again. And that might be an iteration of several processes. But my point is it's deciding you don't want to have this habit, applying a process, visualizing the future. How does it look? Go back into the process again. And finally, and this is the fifth step, is ideally find somebody that you can be accountable to. Ideally a coach, someone that's objective outside you, who you don't know that well, that can push you without you getting upset because you're giving them permission. Or find an accountability buddy, somebody that you trust, that is not afraid to challenge you, not afraid to push you. And when they do that, you don't get offended by them and get anxious because they're doing it. So they're the five steps. Hopefully that makes sense. It's simple. It's effective and it can work if you put the work in behind it. Over to you, Harms. Thank you for myself and Ro for listening to this episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. I know it was a deep topic, but the whole point of this in part one was to almost say, wake up, we have to take control. And then part two was showing you exactly how you can take control. So I hope this was massively useful. Now, I know you may be listening to this at home thinking, okay, I am actually going through this scenario at the moment, or I do know somebody who is going through a scenario of feeling anxious, it's building up, or you may be in the early stages of anxiety or the later stages of anxiety. Just want to point you towards number one, the show notes, where we're going to break down everything from this podcast into checklists and bullet points. And number two, Dr. Rowe Ro himself has produced a handful of videos on how to manage stress, how to manage anxiety around the topic of money, how to use a powerful mindfulness technique to manage your anxiety, tackle your anxiety, handle your anxiety. So those videos will also be linked up in the show notes and they are all available on the Growth Tribes website for free. So do enjoy that. If you want a video experience around this topic, then please head over to www.growthtribes.com and you'll find it in the podcast section. So on that note, that's myself and Ro signing out. We will see you on the next episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would both like to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Growth Tribes. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal level, on a professional level, to help your life, maybe even other people's lives, then we'd love it if you could take action on one of the following things. You can either simply subscribe so you don't miss out on any other great insights coming up in the future, you can share this podcast with close friends so they can also get the benefits of the tips and tools that we're sharing. Or it would be amazing if you could give us a review and let others know just how great this episode was. And finally, if you do have a question, don't forget to submit it on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Rowan Harm signing out and we'll see you again on the next podcast.